everyone. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast. Uh, I am here with my dear heart friends, Alex and Allison Gray, visionary artists, um, two of the most transparent, absolutely beautiful human beings I've ever had the pleasure of being with. Um, I intentionally didn't print out, your, print out your bios because I just wanted to come off the cuff with you today and just be here with you in this moment. So um, I think we'll speak to your bodies of work. I think a lot of listeners on the Be Here Now Network are familiar with both of you, but uh, you know, you're know you both iconic in so many ways. So I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to be here with me, to do this uh, interview, this conversation, and to share your wisdom with uh, the listeners of Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. So thank you both. Thanks so much for having yeah. us. We're so glad to be here today with uh, you, Chris. I wish people could see this right now. It's it's such a, a heart moment, um, at, at least for me. I, I love you two so much. You're such an incredible people. Um, and, and I'll be transparent. Um, the Greys were just kind enough to give me a tour of Entheon, which is a building that um, you're both exceptionally passionate about, obviously. And um, it's um, I'm, I'm still trying to reconcile what I just you know experienced and got to see with my own eyes. Um, but I wanted to start there. The theme of this conversation is going to be pilgrimage and journey. And I think Entheon is is no uh, there's no better place to start than that. And uh, I am going to read something that is on the website for readers before we get into the conversation about Entheon. Um, Entheon means a place to discover the Creator within. Entheon Sanctuary. Uh, I'm sorry, Entheon. Sanctuary of Visionary Art at Cosm transforms a three-story carriage house into a stunning 1,200-square-foot exhibition of the finest original works of visionary art, precious paintings, drawing, sculpture, and moving image that resonates with the highest states of consciousness. Inside Entheon, the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors features a cathedral-esque lattice's work, or yes, ceiling, 10 archangels, and a quartz crystal moat that surrounds each of the 21 sacred mirrors. And that is just a, uh, a minor blip of what Entheon is and, and speaking from what I just witnessed. So if you could speak to Entheon, the vision, the purpose, what, um, what led you to create that? And, and um, yeah, we'll start there. Well, I, I, I could say that in uh, 1971, I read uh, Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. Ah, yes. And it changed my life from, you know, uh, being an active psychedelic experimenter in many different uh, situations and, and, and locations, from parties to hiking and biking mm-hmm. and things like that, to, uh, you know, uh, taking psychedelics in a conscious way, the way he, Ram Dass yeah. recommended when he s- spoke of seeing the white light yeah. when he took LSD and went into a dark room and had an internal experience. So that changed my life and I saw secret writing and it was really the, the symbol for my mm. God contact, the secret writing. So, so uh, from then uh, years went by and uh, I was looking for the one, right? Finding the one, but I wasn't finding the one until um, Alex came to my party in uh, 1975. It was my end of year school party and, uh, and I was always giving parties and Alex came and took LSD in my apartment for the first time <laughs> and we never left. 
And that's really uh, where our spiritual journey began together mm-hmm. and uh, has been going on for uh, 46 years. Mm. So we're, we're united in, a, um, in an aim to create uh, an enduring sanctuary of visionary art yeah. to build and create and uh, to uplift a global community. And that's what we've been, you know, heading towards. You know, it's sort of, it sort of had some, uh, you know, um, is something you want to, why don't you add something to that before I go on? Well, I, I love that you started at the more or less inception of uh, your God contact. You know, basically, Mm. which was, you know, we all have to thank Maharaji, I Mm. guess, you know, really, because uh, uh, somehow that enabled Ramdas to be able to be an opening, you know, for the wisdom into uh, the West and for him to transform from a from a professor to a guru, to a sage, you know to someone who could uh, be a, a spiritual authority and help to guide uh, our unusual uh, kind of spiritual path here in America. You know, it's been such a, a strange uh, journey. But uh, like like Allison said, you know, my uh, psychedelic rebirth that happened in her apartment uh, <laughs> really uh, gave us an insight that there was a spiritual reality. Yeah. And uh, that for me, you know, I have no problem using the name God, sure. you know, yeah. because uh, I, it's, it's not a convention that I'm, I'm you know, opposed to. Mm-hmm. I think I completely questioned the existence of uh, divine intelligence. Uh, or primordial awareness that was at the, you know, uh, heart of everything. But the uh, the experience with psychedelics then gives you a vantage point and a perspective, uh, which uh, Allison and I were able to meet at, you know, uh, in uh, 1975. And it seemed like, uh, like one year later we got then blasted with our universal mind lattice experience on acid also. Mm. And that took me to a place way beyond what seemed like physical dimensions and anything I had experienced before. And it really then catalyzed the spiritual path seriously for me because uh, we had experienced the same transpersonal realm at the same time. And if that's possible, you know, uh, what is consciousness, you know? And which is still, you know, the question, basically. Of course. And uh, uh, however, uh, there became a lot uh, more uh, interesting vantage points to try to present as an artist, uh, presented by the perspectives given in the beyond within, as we like to say. And uh, so that meeting in the uh, altered uh, states, I suppose, uh, somehow 
catalyzed our uh, desire to um, pictorialize these mystical experiences and feel that there's some value in that. You yes. know, when people yeah. come in uh, to the uh, presence of objects that seem to mirror their own internal soul states, yeah. then there's a sense of sacred space that's not only within, but it's immersive. Yeah. And uh, that so many people in the world have seen such similar inner worlds is remarkable. And I don't, I don't think there's a real, an understanding of that mm. yet. The context, right, yes. And like, yeah. what does that mean? Right, and right. what, you know, but I feel like that that's the origin of temples. Yeah. That's the origin of people trying to create sacred art, sacred spaces, sacred music. You know, it's like right. in, in consort or somehow in relationship with um, inspiring forces. Sometimes they could be, you know, machine elves. Sometimes they could be, in, in, you know, interpreted as uh, spiritual helpers of of, uh, you know, uh, uh, multiple uh, means, you know, right, yeah. and energies uh, and characteristics. Uh, but the contact with those forces and the, uh, the ability to see the imagination unfold with such uh, seemingly, uh, uh, it's not under your control. Yeah. It's not at all under your control. It's your, quote, mind, right. but it's out of control. Out of control means your normal self isn't operating it. Right. So the disorientation is with yourself. And that's, I think, the, uh, the questions that both, you know, send people, you know, uh, on a spiritual path, mm. and for uh, uh, for other people, it can leave them, uh, you know, really burnt and yeah. and uh, un unable to process or integrate, depending on their environment, you know, and depending on the consciousness with which they went into these uh, states of consciousness, and yeah. so. Um, America didn't have a context in the 60s, except for people like Timothy Leary and Ram Dass. They were trying to provide a spiritual context for what was emerging. Yeah. People were having spiritual experiences, but they no longer felt comfortable in the, in the church of their parents and things like that. Right. And they couldn't talk about these experiences that were direct contact with divine. Yeah. You're supposed to read and believe, right. not... Direct directly yeah. encounter, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so that matched the Eastern relationship with uh, God. Yeah. That was like, no, I don't want to just believe some, a story told to me uh, thousands of years ago. I want to see it for myself. I want to have an encounter. Right. And, and so uh, that's, what, that's what Buddha always advised, you know. You got you to gotta do it yourself. And so... I think this spiritual uh, contact 
is the reason that Antheon exists. Hmm. And so everything you just said, there's a million ways I can go from what you and, and Allison both said. Um, first of all, I want to say you two, to me, are punk rock pioneers. I don't think you would consider yourselves that. Oh, no. Would you? <laughs> well, we did, we did come in in that, okay. definitely in that well, era. We were just talking about the mid-'80s, you know, in, in the East Village. Yes. This is where uh, we ha- had, uh, well, the Church of the Little Green Man. Ah, it wasn't our right. church, yes, but it was yes. a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an art church. Yeah. An art church. It was right. a performance art church, and it was very, very definitely punk. And that's what, yeah. Like I look at to me, uh, Johnny Cash is like my all-time favorite musician. You wouldn't call him punk rock per se, but he was the man in black. And oh, literally, yeah. I'm looking around right now, and I know listeners can't see, but we are all in all black. Um, well, in but, New York, we but, could say, you know, keeping your integrity. Yes, <laughs> thank you. That's yeah. what we call it. That's right. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, where to go from here? First of all, I, I did want to know, and I, and I should have said this earlier, uh, speaking to the gratitude that we all express towards Ram Dass and Maharaji, um, as I told you before we started the recording, and completely unbeknownst to me until this morning when I woke up, John and I were booking, uh, John, the lovely assistant here helping us. Thank you. John Harris, shout out to you. Love you, brother. Um, Got to give John a shout out. Um, Much love. Yeah, love you, brother. John John Um, is a brilliant uh, chief operating officer of Cosm and the producer of our broadcast. So I I do shout out with with some, but also with love, like family. Yes. You know, that's how I I feel. Yeah, I know you guys do. and first time I met John, um, we, I think I was wearing a Neurosis t-shirt and we connected through Hardcore and, and uh, Boston Overcast, shout out to Overcast. Anyways, um, to circle back around, yeah. Uh, with Maharaji, um, what I was saying was this morning, social media, whatever it is, uh, I woke up to, there's a thing, Facebook memories. On this day, X amount of years ago, this or that happened. And I saw three different pictures, uh, one from myself and two from people who were here. It was my very first workshop I ever taught here at COSM, was literally six years ago on October 3rd. I did not know that. John didn't know that. Like, it wasn't until this morning, and I didn't tell John until I got here, like, wow, you know, so you think of the cosmic order of our journey, Maharaji, the, you know, the, the, just the the grace and please master of transcendental timing. Yes, yeah. You know, and you can always see him smiling yes. behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Well, of <laughs> course, all that wouldn't be there unless right. uh, unless uh, someone came to see me. Yeah, yes, right. And right. and got the ball rolling. Yeah. Got Hanuman into a yeah. place that uh, could. Uh, you know, America could feel the blessings. Yeah, absolutely. And thank goodness that they brought that over. And in the uh, LSD forum, Maharaji said in that time, like we were a materialistic society, which we still are. We needed to see the face of God in this way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And it opened up so many doors. Um, So speaking of opening doors, coming back to the theme of pilgrimage and journeys, um, the last room that I saw in Antheon, the um, you know, sacred uh, mirrors, my goodness, um, where as we were walking out, you know, Alex, you, you kind of set me aside to see that one mirror with the light <laughs> shining back, my God. Um, I have to hold some tears back right now because that was absolutely beautiful. Um, in that moment, it, 
it was kind of like forever came crashing, like this entire pilgrimage up to that moment in that spot in, you know, half hour ago, however long it was, led me to that. So to, to circle back around to pilgrimage, I'm very curious what you both think about what does like a definition of pilgrimage mean to you? And I, I want to be clear, it's not, I'm not saying necessarily like about changing locations. Um, it could be a journey of the mind, a journey of artistic creation, um, you know, just if, if you can talk about that, the, the pilgrimage of the human experience, what that means to you, what your experiences directly have been with that. We've traveled to pilgrimage sites right, in, sure. in the, you know, since we've had the vision of creating one, really. Creating a temple means yes. creating a place where people would come for spiritual fulfillment or f for their spiritual, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, uplifting. Renewal. Renewal, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we started to visit many spiritual sites and learn so much about the people who created them. Mm. Now, how did this happen? And, uh, you know, when we went to Chartres Cathedral with 150 people, we walked the labyrinth of Chartres in, in, at midnight with Gregorian chanting and, you know, like, and carrying candles, I mean, in silence. And I'm telling you, a, a labyrinth walk in silence, that's what we recommend. Mm -hmm. It's such inner work. It's such a psycho-spiritual uh, experience of your mind, of listening to yourself as you're walking this labyrinth. I, I, I never really understood that until I did it there. And uh, with those people, it was very, very amazing. And, and, and uh, it was built by uh, people who had a relic, basically. They had a very special relic. The relic that they had, this is right outside of Paris, they had somehow obtained a thousand years ago the garment that Mary wore when she birthed Jesus. Mm. And that was a very special relic. It was a second class relic because it was a garment. <laughs> and a garment is a second class relic. A first class relic is human remains, human yes. material. And a third class relic is the signature of a person. So anyway, but they had this incredible relic all that time ago and they needed to build the one of the first, I think it was the, the original, consider the original cathedral of the European cathedral movement. And it's incredible. Everybody should go see it. And uh, we've been pilgrims, you know, to various sacred sites, many, many sacred sites everywhere we'd go. If it was like in the Ozarks, down in Arkansas, we would make a side trip to go see the Thorn the Crown, Thorn Crown Chapel. Chapel, which uh -huh. is an amazing chapel to visit. So, mm -hmm. and then in, outside of Chicago is the number one and only North American Mother uh, Church of the, the Baha'i Baha in right yeah. outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, in every continent, there is a Baha'i church, and each one has a unique architectural and contemporary look and feel. The Baha'i people are. S so principled that, that one of their precepts, one of their nine precepts is to consort with people of other faiths. That is so broad-minded and open-minded and that's really where we are in creating COSM. It's yeah. radically welcoming, trans-denominational, interfaith art church. Yeah. You know, that's what we wanted to, to make it be, a, create, a church of creators mm. because our mission is to build Yep. An enduring sanctuary of visionary arts. So we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, like identifying and cultivating the artisans and the artists that would create a temple of spiritual art. And so we, we, we continue to 
make every effort to to attract such people as like you, creative people. <laughs> That uh, in all sorts of ways. I mean, John is a very creative person in his own way. Yeah. And so we, we all have our various, you know, a ministerial creativity. You know, yeah. we think of it as ministerial because it's kind of like the outreach of love and, and helping and serving and, uh, and spiritual. And that's kind of where, where that, that, that sound cloud comes in, right? Mm-hmm. When you well, say, yeah, I think that the... Uh, When I think of pilgrimage, uh, not only do I think of all these amazing places that we have had the tremendous good fortune to, usually we we were the kind of bait on a on a on a journey that we wanted to go on, you know. But but they would pay our way, you know, and give us a little, you know, that we could come back to Cosm with and say, look, we brought home some bacon, you know. And, but we got to go to the pyramids. Oh, you know, yeah. we got to go to lay down in the in the in the king's chamber. You know, we got to onion uh, domes in Moscow. We got they to, used to be sacred. Now it's a national site, but they happened to have the Gregorian chanters there <laughs> when we were there. Uh-huh. Well, it was a uh, yeah. So we, we've. Had the tremendous good fortune to Barabador, in, uh, which is an amazing Buddhist temple uh, in the middle of a jungle in Java, you know, uh, and you you make your way up these temples. And many of them are built on the principle of a mountain, you know, yeah. that because the the mountain is the, you know, the, the high place, you yeah. know, that uh, we all associate, the highest place in a sense. And this is why Mount Kailash, of course, is so important. You know, it's it's Shiva's dwelling place. It's it's sacred to the uh, Buddhists and and things. The mountains themselves are pilgrimage places. Yeah. Uh, doesn't even need a temple, you know. Yeah. But uh, but you know the uh, sacred sites are often uh, built. You know, or temples are built around uh, sacred uh, uh, geographic. Yeah. Uh, energy points, you know, and uh, it's it's very interesting. You, usually these uh, great structures, even like Chart, uh, they're built in relation to a geological uh, kind of energetic uh, force. Yeah. In their case, there's an underground well yes. uh, that, yeah. uh, pr- uh, that has a, I guess, aquifer or some kind of active water movement yeah. Uh, that activates the uh, entire space around there. I they even just have a. They, me, I, they I even have okay. a well in Chart. Yeah. And uh, the well itself is dug underneath the labyrinth. So your sense of you're walking on the surface on the labyrinth, yeah. but there is a sense of depth underneath you. And you're right in the like apps kind of thing, yeah. where there is a space that draws you out above. So I you wanted are you to talk the about ver- the sphinx at, next. Okay, you the are sphinx. at the okay. okay. You are at the vertical. The vertical. Yeah. And it, uh, even though you're walking the labyrinth, it's pulling you yeah. in uh, that vertical dimension as well, just right. architecturally. Right. And so it, it's it's amazing uh, uh, kind of force. Well, then... Uh, the orientation of the Sphinx is what I was thinking. Yes. Well, uh, toward the uh, east, uh, I believe, and that's why when we were there on the equinox, mm. uh, it was coming up right between the paws of the Sphinx, the 
the sun, sunrise. Right. And so uh, we had the good fortune also of going with a, a group to Egypt and, and things. And so the, the... At the sunrise yeah. of, <laughs> of the winter solstice. Wow. Yeah, wow. we were there. I, was it was it the no, was it was, was, the, uh, was the spring it was equinox? The vernal. Yeah. The vernal equinox. Vernal yeah. Equinox, we yeah. were there in the paws of the Sphinx. Wow. At the crack of dawn. <laughs> you have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go there to do that. My but goodness. it's like it, the whole group, we all did that on pilgrimage. Each time, if it's a pilgrimage, you'll get up at three o'clock in the yep. morning to go yep. and stand in the paws of the Sphinx and see the sunrise right before yeah. your face. It's really astonishing. Of course, you know, there's many places that are oriented towards the calendar. Yeah. You know, the the, the Stonehenge and, and like that. But anyway, well, to do a pilgrimage, let's let's go back to the experience of a pilgrimage. Why we elected to make a more interfaith or right. uh, mm. interdenominational uh, orientation rather than confine the sacred to one uh, kind of brand right. and uh, that that if anything art is the brand and that's no brand at all because yeah. art can be anything right and the the thing that uh, that we were uh, seeing I think well we had that vision and the sacred mirrors which we had just sold uh, belonged in a, uh, a temple we could see, you know, from this vision. And so we couldn't sell the sacred mirrors. Somehow we had to make a temple. That was all we knew. And so we learned along the way, you know, we got, oh, it takes a community to do that. Yeah. That's not something isolated individuals do. You know, so that was the challenge God had put, you know, before us was, <laughs> you will soon find that you need to make some friends and you need to see if you can come together about anything. Right. And so a lot of people still can come around creativity and, and even come to the point that it's a spiritual thing because they can see that that soul or something hasn't necessarily been co-opted yeah. by something else yep. and that they're speaking authentically and they're speaking a truth that may even resonate with them. Yeah. And so uh, since there are those individuals, you know, I, I think of it as like the voice, the, the small, still voice of conscience mm. that we hear in ourselves. You know, and that the artist, in a shrill media scape, the individual artist kind of stands for that uh, kind of voice of conscience. And uh, so, and quite often they're the canaries in the cage yep. that are feeling the, uh, the moment that will be the current moment, you know, a few years beforehand. It just happens. Uh, you see it in artists of all kinds. You sure. Know? Yeah. And so, so we trust the creative arts to some degree, you know, to supply uh, occasionally an authentic shard of the soul hmm. and of the current moment, you yes. know, of, of the complex, crazy moment. Yeah. And uh, so since it has continued to supply that time and time again, you know, that's why... Uh, I, I think uh, we, we, we seem to have at least some faith in that. And so as a force, as a creative force and a creative spirit, I can see that 
going through all the traditions, every tradition. Yeah, sure. That's the vital force going through all the traditions, the creative force. Always was, mm. always is. And so, uh, since it's present in all those, it's present now. It's always present. That's all that the teachers will tell you. It's present now. Yeah. You know, get into it. You know, it's you. You know, it's the basis. God gave you a you, a microcosm of the macrocosmic mm. consciousness, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a mortal um, skin. Yeah. And it's got only a limited time. You got you know, you a limited time to pilgrimage to your soul. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what the path of liberation uh, yeah. points to. It says there is a destination. There is a pilgrimage point. One day you're going to wake up and uh, maybe it's going to take walking around all these different places on earth. Mm. Maybe it's going to take, uh, you know, logging on to a website and, and, and uh, having something resonate, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that uh, people will find a way to connect with their soul. And it's what psychedelics were for us. Yeah. And it tapped us into a world of spirituality. For sure. Well, yeah. so, so in the interim of you not being open and speaking to nature mysticism, you still are doing your art churches every weekend or once a month, excuse yeah. me. We do um, full yeah. moons and full art moons. church. We have full moon, uh, we call them ceremonies. Mm-hmm. They're really like a spiritual variety show with yeah. um, music poetry, wisdom, and now because of, uh, we're doing broadcasting, we're broadcasting our full moons. We haven't missed a full moon in, I think, what are we up to, John, 235, 234, something like that. We're we're consecutive in an unbroken chain of full moon ceremonies. So, but we, when, when COVID hit, after, you know, the vernal equinox, we broadcasted for the first time in uh, March of uh, 2020. And we've been broadcasting ever since and been closed while we, you know, finished the job of Entheon. It was very difficult to continue working on Entheon and work as much as we could when we were having so many events all the time and workshops. And we want to be doing that again Uh but the full moons, and then we have our churches for members on the new moon. So okay. if you're a member of COSM, we meet with, we Zoom uh, our art church with, uh, in the room with members. We make art together and talk about it on a theme. And the right. theme, like you say, is nature mysticism. But we have many, every month has a different theme. So uh, we welcome people to join COSM because the members are a stand for the future right. of COSM, right. a church. The reason why we became a church is because it's an, it's an institution that people, excuse me, an institution that people can pass on yeah. to another generation of people who love it. Yep. It's, it's basically, you know, run by, you know, the people who love it. And so we're cultivating and, and identifying people who can love it and can continue it. And yeah. uh, as we, you know, uh, kind of, go the way of Ramdas out of the picture. But hopefully, you know, uh, Entheon will be here and Cosm will be here to serve mm. a beautiful global community that's um, 
flourishing, really growing, isn't it, Chris? It, it is, and what a gift. Um, I mean, you know, COVID has, has brought so much heartbreak to so many people, but mm. in another light, um, you know, you take uh, Gosm, for example, and you've been able to reach out now that you're doing more online and, and connect with a broader community. Not that you didn't already have a broad community, but even more people oh, are getting yeah. access oh, to Oh, total. And, we have so many yeah. friends in the, our church, yeah. which is extraordinary. We could get as, we, we, we have maybe, you know, a room full of people here yeah. and it would yes. be pretty full. But now we have people coming from Australia yeah. and Guatemala yeah. and the so West cool. Coast and, yeah. you know, and, and, and South and Central America. Yeah. And it's, it's really incredible, I mean, to be able to touch last year over 19 million people. Wow. You know, we're able to come to a full moon. Yeah. You know, just, but the full moons also include these incredible curations of videos of such a broad range of abilities of talent, you know, dance and animation and fractalizing and all kinds of things that people yeah. are, are creating that you can get on screen and they come from all over the world. So it's way more inclusive and, and, and COVID gifted us that i have yeah. to say it gifted us that that challenge that challenge, that challenge right. to be able uh to connect with our uh, members and with our community yeah. and uh discover that there are, are more people who uh we can connect with in that way too and uh <clears throat> and share the uh joy of building sacred space together yeah you know, it's really a uh, one of those strange uh, things, an art project that people can do together, you know, is yeah. build a sacred space. Yes. And it's been the way that a lot of uh, traditions have continued to, uh, you know, uh, recreate themselves. Without and, a doubt. Yeah. Broadcasting yeah. was something that we wanted to do for a long time. We saw others doing it like Ramdas and other people sure. doing having broadcasts, and we really just didn't have the t space or time since we were doing so many events. We had so many people coming, and 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 so much to manage that we really didn't have a chance to really implement it until everything came to a grinding halt, right. and yeah. it just really catapulted us into this other uh, you know ability that we cultivated, and we really appreciate the people who've been following that because you know we started with. Not knowing how to, right. and we're getting better. I think they're getting better all the time. And it's it's a like I said, it's a gift uh, through through so much darkness. There is also light happening, and That's right. energetic transmissions are, are to me palpable. Um, you mentioned Ramdas. The first time I had an interaction with him was through Skype, and I remember, like, I, my heart was buzzing. Like I could feel that heart transmission even through the computer. Yeah. So when I got here today to Cosm, like. This, um, I consider this one of my homes away from home. And I took a picture out front and just posted like home away from home and stepping foot on this property is so sacred and grounding to me. But knowing that that energetic transmission is palpable, like people in Australia, Australia, excuse me, like you mentioned, or France or wherever, Russia, doesn't matter. You can log in to a full moon ceremony and experience that transmission and another part of the world, like 
What a gift. And oh, do, and we yeah. do. I mean, yeah. I have had a blog for, you know, that I've been writing, you know, Ask Allison about art yes, and life right. for decades. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I meet one-on-one with people. Yeah. And it's just a joy to not have to come all the way here, whatever. You right. can still have somebody, you know, that you, if you want to talk to somebody and you really need to talk about art and life. You know, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm delighted to be more interactive with a broader range of people. We, we, we're not always going to, Alex and I are getting older. We're not always going to be able to be everywhere. Right. We were just nonstop travel sure. for like 15 years. And, uh, and it was so great, you know, to touch people and reach people in all these different places. And we, we're, we're, we'll be back out there again. COVID mm. will, will end and we'll, we'll all be together we in will. one way or another. But yeah. uh, it's great yeah. to be able to reach out that personally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, one of trying to look at the light side of, of uh, darker things. So yeah, blessings. And I know for Love Server Member Foundation, it's also been, it's had its gifts as well as reaching out to people. And, um, and so, you know, but I get to be here with you guys today and have this conversation and what a gift that we can, life is in its own way starting in some weirdness to make some semblance of sense. But that said, um, I know we're starting to run short on time. One no, thing it's I, okay. I, I you can I, cut, you can edit us anywhere you want to. <laughs> I don't edit anything. Oh um, no, really? I love all your wisdom. Um, something we we started to talk about uh, a little bit while we were in Antheon was um, you were reading a, Alex a wonderful quote from um, Albert Hoffman uh, when it comes to the nature of psychedelics and. Um, to me, it was it, it, it took heart, especially in reference to recovery from drugs and alcohol. Um, I had interviewed about ten years ago Father Thomas Keating, a beautiful you know Christian mystic who <sighs> has since passed. And I remember telling him that I was in recovery from drugs and alcohol, and he kind of chuckled a gentle way, and he's like, "Well, I'm in recovery too." And I remember thinking, "Oh shit, I didn't know Father Keating had a habit." But he went on to say, "I'm in recovery from the varying conditions to which all humans suffer." And as you were reading that, um, and I, I wish I had to hear the Albert Hoffman quote, which I will find it and we'll post right. it on the website. It was That's such a great idea. so beautiful. It's like yeah. the psychedelic prayer in a way. Yes, absolutely. By a master. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's so well articulated, things I have tried to convey to people because within the specific recovery 12-step communities, things like plant medicines, um, have such a stigma still. It, it's getting better, but there's a stigma. And I've been an advocate myself um, for years since my first book came out about the benefits they could have before I even embarked on them because I had seen them change lives. I had seen ayahuasca bring people back from the brink of suicide. That said, I've also heard from people, um, families in the Love Serve uh, Remember Fellowship, that their child, their last resort was like a journey of ayahuasca, this or that, and it didn't work for them. So I want to be clear that it is case by case. However, for me at least, and even statistically, you know, Johns Hopkins and Columbia University doing amazing um, studies, I would love to hear, and I always try on my podcast to speak from direct experience, because that's all I can share is direct experience. So in your experience with these journeys, um, I would love to hear or at least what you know, you know, what you've seen in many years of having, you know, these experiences and, and the way you've seen them benefit just humans in general, going back to Father Keating, the way that we're all suffering as a humanity, like the benefits that plant medicines can have for people. 
The benefits that plant medicines can have for people. Yes. Well, uh, as Hoffman remarked in that uh, great quote, the classic psychedelics are neither toxic yes. nor addictive. And uh, so his idea was that we had to consider them more like um, indigenous people have considered the sacraments, plant medicines, plant teachers, you know. And so uh, with respect and sacredness uh, around those substances, uh, then we start to differentiate it from a kind of substance that could do us great harm. And we understand uh, what kind of harms it can do and things. And so you also have to see uh, that the psychedelics, like you were pointing out, are not an answer for everyone. Right. And for some people, they should not be uh, even used without a, a real careful kind of supervision yeah. or uh, maybe not advisable at all, right. actually. Right. So there's a spectrum of people who could be helped. Yeah. Uh, and some uh, that should avoid it, sure. you know. Yeah. However, we have to say whenever we're talking about psychedelics, we're not talking about something out there. Mm. We're talking about something in our brains. We have the most potent psychedelics already operating within our brain now. You know, yeah. not, not like on Saturday night. Right. And so DMT, 5-MeO, all of these things that are cir circulating in us as normal neurotransmitters doing what they're doing are enabling us to imagine reality, yeah. such as it is. Bloink with it, with a little additional, and you get to see the plasticity of reality. And we're normally locked in. We're locked in the bell jar of our reality. These open a portal, you know, and allow you to see perhaps, perhaps you weren't letting God in was getting dark in there, yeah. really, really hard, yeah. really fucked up, and there was no God. Yeah. But as we know, God is always there, and it's just that our mind has created obscurations yeah. to seeing your already enlightened presence. Mm -hmm. So for a brief I don't know whether you're smoking DMT or whether you're 5-MeO uh, or, you know, in 10 minutes, you will have a big question about the nature of reality after that experience. Yeah. And, uh, and I have uh, learned that even these uh, small doses of DMT are neurogenerative. Yep. So... I think that what we're looking for when we're uh, thinking that, will I get smarter if I take psychedelics? Well, would more neurons help? Probably. 
Are you going to try to make new connections and creative ideas? Perhaps new neuropathways that had never been there previously could give you access to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it also is building toward where you're intending. So people who have huge problems to solve, like climate change and uh, other things that need technical even uh, renovations and innovations may become more accessible. The less stigmatized uh, psychedelics are. Carrie Mollis, you know, winner of the Nobel Prize and stuff, he's often said that it was the psychedelics that gave him the insight so that the PCR The PCR tests that we're all using for our COVID things, thanks very much to Carrie Mollis, who on acid uh, got the insight that enabled him to create that technology. And uh, so many of the breakthroughs in technology, as uh, Steve Jobs would say himself, were due to these altered states and these openings to a new possibility. And we need it now. We need for people to be able to imagine new ways of, uh, of surviving and thriving in, all, in our environments that are changing every day. Yeah. So um, thank goodness the psychedelic revolution is right on target and is uh, within a couple of years, you know, there will be... Uh, prescription, uh, you know, psychedelic uh, sessions that yes. will be possible for people. Now, ketamine for yeah. depression and things like that is helping a number of people. Yes. Cannabis is, uh, is uh, on a roll, you oh, know, yeah. and is, and is uh, helping people all over uh, the United States. And I think that the United States uh, just ought to like get off it and uh, and stop the war on drugs, which is a racist war, mm. and uh, just see the benefit. Start to examine these uh, substances, which are really an important part of our nervous system, and may calm down the monkeys. You know, uh, calm us down. Get us more peaceable with each other. Let us listen to each other, heart to heart. Mm. and soul to soul. Let us imagine some new kind of connectedness where we can once again imagine unity, imagine a united world intending to live uh, for the benefit of everyone. And uh, these kinds of ideals are natural. They were, they were right there at the Eleusinian mysteries. Mm. You know, the true, the good, the beautiful, yes. what was that secret ingredient? It was a psychedelic that was at the heart of the Eleusinian mysteries. What was at the heart of, uh, you know, and the foundations of Hinduism even? Right. Soma, you know, Soma is talked about in the Rig Veda. Yes. So we have at the basis of, and go to Mesoamerica, Central America, you'll find psychedelics uh, at the foundation of civilization. We're returning to something that should be the birthright of humanity. And so I'm, I'm grateful for their reemergence in a much more sensible 
and uh, intellectually thought out context where if you want to take them to heal, there are ways of finding out how to do that. Yes. And please consider them sacred. Yeah. And, uh, and, and don't go there uh, otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sacred is a key word. And, and I think medicine or medicinal is also very important. Um, they are a non-specific yeah. amplifier yeah. of whatever is already there, too. Yes. So when you feel that it's amplifying something negative, um, then you have to, you know, that's a pitfall. And you can, you know, just watch out for it. That's all. And don't let that happen. You know, basically, let it amplify the best in you and, uh, and relieve yourself but it does point out, you know, uh, po- possibilities for change because mm-hmm. it changes your mind. Yes. So it, there's possibilities for change and sometimes you encounter them yeah. in your psychedelic experience. It's not all, you know, uh, you know, just happiness and light. No. Sometimes it's terror and, and, and confronting. Yeah. And that's what's frightening to people, but it doesn't kill you. Right. It, it, it makes you aware of yourself. Yeah. So I think very beneficial in that regard. You yeah. have to confront the, uh, the problem that is at the heart of the addiction. And I think that that was the soul renewing uh, discovery mm-hmm. that they found uh, that people who had a mystical experience and, and in a mystical experience, I would say, uh, you temporarily you lose your ego identity sure. and your identity becomes merged with the infinite, yep. with a divine something that is, that always is, a transcendent thing. And then you come back from that. And you remember that, yeah. that you were not your limited skin bag self. Right. You're ultimately, and on a level of reality that's even greater than the one that, you know, we're hanging out and speaking in, you're that. Yes. You're the God stuff. Yep, absolutely. That makes me think of Alan Watts when he said, uh, sometimes to come to your senses, you have to go out of your mind. (laughs) thank you for your wisdom mr watts as always oh yeah high wattage yes so i think we have like one time for one more question um i I, out of a million i would just curious um how would each of you like for your work to be remembered i mean you're both such iconic artists and you've and are have you've put out so much important work in the world and you continue to um yeah, I, I'm just curious. How would each of you like for your work to be remembered or to be carried on or to be embodied? You know, um, well, I, I, done. I, uh, my work is represented by two bodies of work, really, yeah. two bodies of art. One are my paintings, which are watercolors and um, acrylics and yeah. oil paintings, and I'd like them to be remembered. Uh, you know, in the essentialized worldview of chaos, order, and secret writing. Yeah. You know, that chaos is a, my symbol for the material world, which, which is beautifully falling apart in this spectral manner that's made up of cells and systems and particles and waves and uh, has this sort of 
and I paint these frozen moments of this yeah. infinitely roiling and moving uh, fabric of, of all reality that's tangible and that can be seen. And uh, then there's order, which is the bliss realm, the realm of bliss, where we go and we're on our highest consciousness. Uh, in, in our journeys, I've experienced the fountains and drains, the vast vistas of interconnected light in these, these toroidal balls. And, uh, you know, and I represent that in a, in a symbol that I call order. And then there's secret writing, which is the window between. Right. It's the window between the inner world and the outer making of things. We have a thought, and in our minds, it's a, it's a vision, and then we have to think, oh, what brush am I going to use, and what alizarin or, or cadmium, or, you know, and we have to pick flat ferruled and watercolor oils, what, you know, sculpture, collage, how am I going to represent this out in the world? It's, it's vision in here. So the symbols that come out, the wind are windows where our inner world becomes outer things. So chaos order and secret writing are, is the essentialized worldview of my art mm. uh, in my painting. But the other body of work that I do and that I've devoted myself to and will for the rest of my life is social, my social sculpture that I collaborate with Alex Yes. called Cosm, Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. We created a, uh, an enduring, we're creating an enduring sanctuary of visionary art. And um, it's, it's a word, social sculpture is a word termed by Joseph Boys, who started the Green Party and was a eco-artist in, in Germany, uh, very influential in the real art world. Mm. And uh, he, you know, he meant it to be... Um, Art that intends to uh, to transform social systems, you know, so that social systems could transform within this art. And so I think that that's what Cosm is for us. It's a work of community, collaborative art that is ongoing, where we co-create with our community uh, works of beauty, creativity, performance in every, in every field of art uh, together and transform social systems. So those are, mm. that's the way I want my work to be remembered. How Thank beautiful, you. Alison. Wow. Thank and you. having For experienced asking. your work in, in, you know, from a firsthand experience, both visually and being humbled and honored to be part of your full moon ceremonies and be there with you. Um, it's, it's some palpable heart stuff. So thank you for your work. Mm. So appreciated. Thank you yeah, so much. Appreciate that. And uh, Alex. And, <clears throat> gee whiz. Uh, well, I think that uh, people probably, uh, I, I feel really lucky that uh, people have associated uh some of the most meaningful experiences that they've had on psychedelics with my art. Yeah. And uh, they may not have seen the art uh, when they weren't on psychedelics or before even, but they recognize something in it that they either saw meditating mm -hmm. or when they were having a psychedelic journey 
or uh, some kind of meaningful spiritual moment that they connected with my work. And so uh, those openings, the spiritual openings for people uh, and the openings to the spirit, to the visionary realities, you know, uh, cause I think that's one of the most exciting things about being alive. I had no idea before taking acid that I could see a torrent of imagination, you know, before my eyes that wasn't like a movie or a TV, right. you know, program or, or, you know, some drama unfolding in my living room, you know, yeah. uh, but that it was unfolding in my soul. And that God had given us this amazing gift of vision mm. and the divine imagination with which we're creating the reality we create. Yeah. And uh, so the, I, I think that the visionary tradition, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, you know, Blake struggled. Blake struggled and yeah. uh, died very poor, and and uh, w- but was uh, adamantly uh, connected to his own idiosyncratic personal spirituality and uh, the desire to share it and to try to articulate it as clearly as he could. And so I feel very much that we're in the same kind of flow. It's not that new. You know, artists have been doing this forever. And I think that temple builders Mm. have been trying to build sacred space around the visionary experience, as we've seen, you know, the the gods appearing in all all these uh, uh, old temples and things like this. Wow, a lot of them were tripping. Yeah. And it's no wonder now that we see these things and they say, okay, that explains a little bit more. They were connected with a world of the imagination, uh, not mistaking it for reality, but they could see that they could bring that world closer. Yeah. That I may dwell among ye, you know, uh, basically, you know, uh, that you build a sacred space and not only the people to whom it is meaningful will come, but the spiritual forces that we see expressed there yeah. are here as well. And so uh, in pilgrimage, we come to that meeting point where we, we go to this far place and discover ourselves at home, yeah. like you were saying. Yeah. We felt that immediately when we came to this property. We mm. felt at home. I. I, you know, it's, it's, it's not been an easy thing for me to find that in my life. And I've never exactly been able to say, well, yes, here, you know, and here, you know, but here, yes. Yeah. And so I'm glad for that, that we found it. 15 years of searching all over the world, actually. No kidding. You know, yeah. and uh, so it was a while. And we found it on a, <laughs> on, on a website. Wow. Findthedivine.com. On Earth Day. Retreat centers for sale. On Earth Day. Oh, come on. Well, these are all good omens. Yeah. (laughs) Again, the synchronicities of life. My goodness. 
Selfishly, thank you for finding this spot that's not that far from me. So I can oh, yeah. yeah. oh, we'll have this conversation in person. This, uh, like I said, um, such a sacred space. Um, and I know it's the culmination of a lot of people's work that have come together here, but yeah. you know, you you two are at the helm of that. And um, so on behalf of, I'm sure, countless people, you know, I thank you for the work you're both putting oh. into the world and your heart mission and just just trying to make this fucked up weird place a little bit more compassionate and kind and understanding. And we need so much more of that. So you have been two incredible pioneers that uh, I personally, and again, I'm speaking for many people, I'm sure, um, look up to. I love you both dearly. We're pilgrims. We're all walking each other home, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> all right. And what better way to end than that? Oh. Alex Nelson, thank you. Actually, I do want to say before we go, um, websites will be linked, but to find Cosm, um, the website. Cosm.org. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Allison at Cosm.org and Alex at Cosm.org. You can find us. We Perfect. welcome you to talk to us. Oh, yeah. And, and, and please do talk to them. Um, yeah. the two of the most beautiful people I've ever met. And um, yes, we'll have links. If you're on the Be Here Now website, um, please just scroll down, click on the link, contribute to Cosm, contribute to Entheon. Come visit. I don't care if you're in New England or not. Make a pilgrimage here. It's be so a worth member. it. It's gonna, yeah, be a member. Um, yeah. Hopefully next year we'll see Entheon yeah. opening. Yeah. And, yes, um, that's right. Yeah. That's so, so please put it on your calendars next year to come visit. See Alex Nelson. Uh, you will not be sorry you did. So, anyways, thank you both so much for your time and oh, just you, you in the world. Thank Love you, you both. Thank you, so Chris. Much. Yeah. Aww. Thank you.